1: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years' experience in providing
2: financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Gordon Leopard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today. Yeah, it is exciting to be here, isn't it? You know, nothing
1: like a great Saturday to get some great money advice from the money doctors, That's right. and I finally got some chill in the air exactly watch a little football Good and we'll get to that season we'll get to that here but you know we are excited to have you listening to us today on weekly radio show we are right here
2: every saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m that's right and you can also catch us on moneymd.net or stream us at uh, itunes yeah. yeah so you
1: can stream us right off the website there clicking the upper right hand corner and you can stream us there. Um, also, we podcast all of our shows. Right. So, you know, if you That's missed right. a show or if you want to pick it up on Monday morning, um, the podcasts are out there early in the week, the next week, and um, you can
2: listen to us all the way back to the beginning of the year. That's right. No excuse for missing your money prescription.
1: No excuse for not hearing the money doctors. Exactly. That's right. um, and we'd love to have your questions, too. So email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Um, Or, of course, you can give us a call anytime, Richard Young Associates, and we'll tell you that that number later. But speaking
2: of football... You know, what a great season this is wrapping up today. Well, if you're a Clemson Tiger <laughs> uh, fan, it certainly is. i tell you what, you guys yeah. have been playing extremely well. Yeah, Doug, right, Doug has not been too happy this season, you well, know,
3: it, hey.
1: Doug, here on the radio station. Yeah, and, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we it's uh, uncanny how well Clemson has, you know, their season has fallen into place here, playing the hard teams at home. But uh, you know, I mean, they have another hard game. But away. Speaking of which, at Miami,
2: they do. They're going to be taking uh, a, a long today, trip south.
1: That's going to be yeah. that's going to be tough. They're going to be tested, you know. And um, but uh, the big
2: test is coming up in a few weeks here. I mean, Florida State coming to town. That's right. They're they're uh, they're a uh, wrecking ball. Well, I, I tell you, they they've done a great job of really just, I, I think, staying pretty consistent, right? You know, and Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, running. At quarterback, there he's really done a good job of uh, running the show. He's been so. doing
1: pretty good. And uh, Carolina's off this week, and Georgia's off this week. So right. uh, Florida State plays Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech's going to get another bruising. I'm afraid <laughs> that's
2: probably going to be a beatdown.
1: Yeah, it probably is. But anyway, it'll be a good day of football. But hey, this isn't a football show. This is a Money MD show. Well, we've got. I guess we have got to shift gears
2: here and uh, get into <laughs> our financial topics.
1: Exactly, and we have a great show lineup for today, as usual. You know, we're going to start off here though talking about the 10 financial tasks that have to be done before the holidays i mean you need to get these done right now don't let them drag out you know these are really important things and there's some things that you need to do if you get into the holidays you get busy
2: you're going to forget to do a lot of these that's right you you get in the rat race of things and you just get covered up so planning ahead i mean that's the thing steve we talked about this not too long ago is that the holidays they come at the exact same time Every year. Every single year, you know.
1: And once you get into Thanksgiving, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it is just a blitz from Thanksgiving to Christmas. To New Year's. It is. And you just don't – I mean, I can't focus – it's hard to focus on anything other than just getting all your gifts bought and, you know, you're planning for, you know, holidays and trips and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah, focus on these. And
2: and these are good ones. So we'll go over that here in just a minute. That's right. And then uh, we're going to move into Obamacare premiums and uh, just how – they're going to affect us uh, coming up here in two thousand and sixteen yeah that that should we're, we're already feeling the effects of it, but two thousand and sixteen is really going uh, it's really going to test the waters for some people
1: yeah, it is no doubt you know, and then I think you have another topic coming up here about the democratic uh tax plan that's right, right. you
2: know they just had the uh, first democratic uh debate, and they kind of rolled out some of their ideas. About their plans for uh, our dollars as a country, and and we'll just kind of look and see how those differ from the GOP plans that we uh, talked about last week.
1: Yeah, and th- that'll be really interesting because there is it's like night and day, you know. I mean, it really is. One of them, one one set is looking at uh, you know giving you stuff, you know, by raising taxes, and the other
2: set is looking at giving you stuff through taxes. So <clears throat> it's interesting contrast. <laughs> Very true, and I, and I think that we've got to find a, a happy medium there. We do somehow, some way. You know, we're not here to necessarily endorse any particular uh, candidate, but we just want to kind of roll out the facts here. So that that will be a, a good topic. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Okay, but we're going to start off here though with the financial fact
1: of the week, and um, <clears throat> you know, here it is: in the past thirteen years, that the U.S stock market, the S&P 500 index is what we use to measure that, has declined in value only two times uh, during the fourth quarter, according to the uh, uh, BestSpoke Investment Group. The average gain, um, well, it's, it's gained 13 times over the past 15 years in the fourth quarter, and the average of those gains has been 6.3%. Wow. So, you know, the, what, it, what we're seeing here basically is the fourth quarter is by far the best quarter of the year in the
2: stock market. Historically speaking. That, yeah. You know, it, it, that's what the the trend here has shown us, that we try to we, we finish the year strong, and uh, hopefully that'll stand true this year. Hope it'd, so. It'd you know, nice. we're not trying
1: to predict things that's where right. there's no way to predict the stock market, and in the, in the statistically – it's not that strong because you know even if you look back a hundred years, you're you're not looking at enough data points to really make a concrete statistical analysis. But the trend has been pretty interesting. How the fourth quarter always seems to shake up. To, a lot of times seems to shake up to be a really good quarter. So we're hoping that'll happen this time. And we've certainly started off the first couple weeks. Oh, uh, that's the fourth right. Quarter. That's right. October with the bang, started them strong. So uh, you know, uh, here's here's hoping that that continues to go. That's right. That we can maintain that momentum. Exactly. Okay, well, that moves up to our first topic here, and that is the 10 financial tasks to do before the holidays. Um, you know, I mean, it may it, it might feel like summer's barely over. I mean, it sure does for me, but, you know, Thanksgiving, heck, is just a few weeks away now. I mean, we're talking, you know, a month away, basically, just no, Thanksgiving, isn't not it? Not very far. A little bit over a month, so... You know, and then it'll be 2016 because you'll be right into the holidays and, and right into uh, Christmas and New Year's. So the point here is don't dilly-dally it around. Don't dilly-dally around. <laughs> Let me get that right. Because, you know, these are money-related tasks, and you need to get started on these right now to make sure you get these done immediately before you get into the holidays and the year end. And some of these are time-sensitive, you know, and um, and some of these, in fact, are related to the holidays like this first one. The first one here is to set a budget for holiday gifts and then stick to it. That's
2: right. That's, that's an important one, Steve.
1: It is. I mean, it's so easy to let the, the gift-giving holidays just blow your budget for the entire year. So you've got to start planning now. And, you know, quite frankly, now is a good time to start buying some of these. So it doesn't matter how small or large uh, you know an amount that you decide to allocate you just you just don't spend more than you can afford and if you 're a little strapped this year, then maybe it 's a good time to um you know uh, start giving crafts instead you know home make something you know do a painting or a craft or woodworking or something you know the truth is i mean your your true friends really love you for who you are um you know and for your company, not the physical things that you give to them so I mean, while you're at it, go ahead and get started either making or buying stuff at good sales now for the holidays. Now's the time to do that.
2: that that's, that's a great point because there are some good sales out there now. And a lot of times, you know, what looks like or they promote as a good sale during that time, you know, sometimes it's just a lot of holiday hype. Yeah. So that's, and, that's a great and, point. But having
1: time and planning and and taking your time at, at getting a good good price is one of the keys to staying on budget for that.
2: All right. And then number two that we've got here says, plan how much you want to give to charity this year. You know, I I think that's a great point and something that we should definitely keep at the top of our list. You know, then get it going. Send out the money. Uh, Do what you're thinking about doing there. It's it's often good to make such gifts at the beginning of the year before, uh, you know, other priorities get in the way. But if you haven't, you know now's now's a good time just as any so do it now then keep a record for tax purposes uh you know you want to get it done well before the the new year so that you know you can get that tax deduction but you know also just keep keep that holiday spirit in your heart you know even throughout the year yeah for yeah. sure
1: i think i think it's also a good idea to get get your giving off your balance sheet so you know how much you have to allocate toward christmas and things and you know, you're tithing, you're giving. I mean, that's go right. ahead, get that get that kind of already done um, so that you're not trying to do it, you know, in the middle of Christmas. So right. so that's a good, good one. All right, the next one here is decide if there are stocks or mutual funds that you own, which are candidates for tax-loss harvesting, tax-loss selling. Um, you know, some people may not be familiar with this, but, you know, depending on your tax situation, you may be able to offset some of the gains – against losses and you know given that we've had this correction in the market this year it's probably a great opportunity to do that because you might have some losses in your in your portfolio or in your investments that you can sell do some tax loss harvesting you can sell and reinvest them Um, the rules are you just can't reinvest in the same exact stock or fund for 31 days right um to avoid the wash sale rule but you can go ahead and do that and You can write off, in general, up to $3,000 against ordinary income, and you can carry forward any additional losses for as long as you want to. So, you know, with all the volatility in the market, now may be a great time to to take advantage of some of those tax benefits. That's a good point. So that was number three. Next one here on the list is, if you haven't done so in a while, you need to rebalance your portfolio. Um, Another investing one here. I mean, this is really important. Rebalancing is a very important part of portfolio management. It lowers risk. It helps prevent you from getting over-allocated in one asset class. Um, You know, if you have too much allocated in stocks, not enough in bonds maybe, you know, due to the market, you know, running up or, you know, given where the markets have been here recently, you probably have, you know, too much in bonds. You probably need to buy
2: some stocks. And looking at your risk. Exactly.
1: So if markets are down, you know, now would be the time to to evaluate your risk and rebalance um, your 401k plan. Put some money back into stocks. Get at the right allocation level. And you might want to consult a financial professional to help you in deciding what allocation is right for you. You don't want to take on too much risk. But, you know, after corrections like we've just seen, now would be a great time to get that one done.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So um, number five here says check to see if your retirement contributions uh, are on target. 2015.
1: Yeah, we'll finish that when we come back from the break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. we will be right back with these messages. Thank you. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Barber, a certified financial planner, I'm here with Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with me. And we are continuing our discussion here this week um, about the ten financial tasks to do before the holidays. Getting ready for the holidays. Getting ready for the holidays. You know, there's a lot of financial things you need to do before the end of the year and you don't want to wait to december to do them gordon
2: no absolutely not i mean like you said steve things just get they get so busy during that time it really makes it hard to focus it does, you know, and and do the reviews like you need to do, so. and
1: you'll you'll miss some of them, you know, because you'll get so busy, you, you will not be able to get some of them done in time. Um, so, you know, we've talked about a few of these. I mean, setting a budget for holiday gifts, obviously, you need to do that early because right. you need to buy them early. That's right. And you know, if you want to save money, you got to do it before Black Friday and be ready for it, and you know, buy some of the things on clearance. You can buy school items now, you know, deep discount because we're schools long in session here. And, uh, you know, summer clothes, of course, if you can find those still out there, they're going to be probably on clearance. So you want to set a budget for the holidays. You want to do that early. You want to plan how much you want to give to charity this year um, and go ahead and get that kind of off your balance sheet um, so that you know how much you got left for the holidays. So if if you do these one time, you know, charitable gifts, I think now's a great time to go ahead and get that done. And then. You know, there may be some tax loss harvesting in your investments. If you have after-tax money that's invested in stocks or mutual funds, you can sell some of those um, that are down. You can you can buy them back in 31 days or buy something very similar to it, and you can do some tax loss harvesting there. So it'll help you help you tax-wise. Kind of offset
2: those taxes. E-
1: exactly. you can carry that forward um, for as long as you want, those losses. And then rebalancing your portfolio is another one we mentioned. You know, now's the time to do that. We've been through a correction there's probably an opportunity to, to rebalance and sell a little bit of what's now high and buy a little bit of what's now low. Just a disciplined way to keep and, it in the right allocation. And we
2: talk about that all the time. So, you know, that's, that's definitely a good one to consider there, Steve.
1: Exactly. And then the next one here that we started before the break was to check and see if your retirement plan contributions are on target. For, for this year.
2: That's right. Where where are you uh, in your giving, you know, to yourself and to your future there? You know, you, you might uh, find that uh, you can increase your contributions for the rest of the year. Maybe you haven't uh, put enough back, but you see that you're in a place that you can do so. You know, for 2015, you can stash away up to 18000 in the 401k plans. You know, if you're over 50, you can put up to $24,000 uh, in that. So, That's a lot. That that is a lot. um, Making a full contribution will reduce your tax bill uh, and help secure a better retirement. Even if you had uh, contributed nothing before age 50, if you started making full contributions at that time and continued until age 65, you would have amassed over $700,000. And just, a, just fifteen years. Just fifteen years. Now, granted, that's at a at an eight percent return, which is you know somewhat it's, realistic. It's there,
1: realistic, sure.
2: You know, and again, we're not uh, we're not predicting the future here, and we're not guaranteeing anything. You right. know, but hypothetically speaking, if you made eight percent, you could have well over seven hundred thousand dollars. So it's not too late to get started. That's Even right.
1: if you haven't started by age fifty, that's the point, and make a huge dent. You know, in your retirement needs. So that's a good one. Um, next one here on the list is to make sure you have enough tax dollars withheld from your paycheck. You know, a lot of people, they have unexpected income that comes in during the year. Maybe they sold a house or something, piece of property, and they they, they find themselves not withholding enough and subject to a penalty come April when you file your income taxes. So you need to take a look at that. Now is a great time to do that because there's still time to adjust your withholding before the end of the year. Um, and you can also make an estimated payment if you need to to catch up on your, on your withholding.
2: So that's one there. And that's where working with a tax professional, too, throughout the year can help in those type of situations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And the next one here on the list is enroll for health care and other benefits for 2016. Yeah, actually, the open enrollment for the, uh, uh, you know, Health Care Affordability Act, starts at the end of this month, starts November 1st, runs through January 31st. So if you haven't enrolled in a plan or if you've had one of those life-changing events that that qualify you, you can enroll now. But you need to get ready and enroll in a plan if you haven't, you know, uh, starting the beginning of November. You need to get that
2: going and don't wait again for the holidays because you'll you'll run out of time and won't get that done. That's right. You have a three-month window there. Number eight on our list is uh, if you haven't had your annual medical checkup, Schedule it now. And, you know, the holidays, that is a very busy time uh, for doctors uh, and people in the medical field. So, you know, definitely check with them because, you know, if, if, if you wait too long, that small problem that you have could turn into something much, much larger and uh, actually end up costing you a lot more. Uh, than it would have just to get it checked up. So, you know, while you're at it, also you know, get your dog or your or, or your uh, your cat checked. You know, they they need uh, to visit their doctor too. So it might not be a bad idea to get it. Everyone in the house checked. Yeah,
1: this article out of Forbes, you know, says you know, <laughs> go ahead and get their annual rabies shot. I'm thinking, do so they really need an annual rabies shot? I don't know about that. I don't know but... about that either. But anyway, this is that's that's Forbes for you. That comes out of their articles, not our. <laughs> All right, the next one here on the list also comes out of their article and that is update your resume, you know. Okay, I mean this isn't really a happy subject, you know, but I guess you do need to be realistic and prepared. It has been a tradition for companies to lay off before Thanksgiving if they're going to have a layoff. Um it's kind of a way of avoiding doing it around Christmas time and the holidays and also avoiding bonuses, avoiding running into the new year of benefits. So if you think you might be on the chopping block, I mean, you need to be realistic here and, you know, kind of be ready Tighten for it that. it up, huh? So think about that. Um, you know, gather all your business contacts. Keep a copy of your your, your stuff, you know, that you need for that. Um, last one here on the list, though, is a good one. It is make a, a health savings account contribution. You know, if you have a HSA-qualified health plan, then you need to make your, your health savings contribution now. I mean, do it before the end of the year, before things get busy, for a family, you can contribute up to $6,650 this year, um, and for a single person, it's $3,350 uh, into an HSA account. That comes right off your gross income, so it's totally tax-deductible. There's no income limits on it, and that money is totally tax-free if you use it later for medical expenses. So that's a double tax benefit. It's like having a Roth IRA that's also tax-deductible. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic benefit. It is. So it if is. you qualify for that with a health savings account um, qualified plan, then go ahead and make your contributions now and get that in there and get it invested. So there you go. There good are the, list. There the 10 financial tasks to do right now. And that leads us up here, though, to our question of the week.
2: That's right. Um, you know, this week, the question of the week says, are rental properties a good way to diversify my investments? Now, I would say I don't know. Yeah, it's a big okay. topic. And and here's why, Steve. Uh, the, the reason I would say that is because I would want to know the person that I'm talking with and sure. how that actually fits with their personality, their skills, and their overall portfolio. What do you I mean, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, it's not, it's certainly not for everybody. I mean, real estate is a is a great thing to have if I mean, you know, everybody owns their house, right? So they already have a big investment in real estate. But I'm talking about rental properties yeah, or house that maintain, you're, house you're going to fix up maybe and resell. Um, you know, one of the keys to be able to make money in that kind of environment is being able to do a lot of stuff yourself. That's a great point. It is not a passive investment, right? You've got to have some skills. You've got to be able to manage it yourself. You have to be able to do something to fix up yourself. You have to be able to, you know, repair a toilet when it breaks, if you have to call somebody or hire a management company to run that, you know I'm sorry it's going to be it's going to be
2: unlikely that you make money off that situation. It definitely makes it a lot more challenging and you know some people that I've spoken with that have have been successful in the real estate field they they say listen you you make your money on the purchase end of the deal that's you know again point. whether you're flipping it or whether you're managing it, you know you still have to have that margin there. Sure. So if you're it barely helps. just covering your, your note or your mortgage, you know, it may not be worth the headache. Plus, there's a lot of risk there. I,
1: I love seeing people do it with cash, you yep. know, and I have some clients that, that, that are into real estate, but they pay cash for it, and they'll buy a small, you know, 30000 $40,000, $50,000 house somewhere, fix it up, and then rent it. And you know that's a very low risk proposition if you're doing it with cash and not don't have a mortgage on it. Great point.
2: And they don't have to rush and get a renter in there. They, exactly. Th- they can be more patient and get the right renter in there, and and that makes that makes your uh, your rental experience a whole lot smoother. Yeah. So that really relieves the pressure.
1: So you know, I, I guess the bottom line is I think real estate is a rental properties is a great way to go. For some of your money, I wouldn't focus all your investments. You still need your 401K. You need to be saving money. That's along with that. Um, But you got to be able to do some of it yourself. you got to be able to manage it. It's not a passive investment. Good point. So, okay, great topic. And that leads us up to our uh, break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at net, or you can give us a call, Richard Young Associates, during regular business hours at 706 739 Zero seven two five. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back with the business and G and
3: Stay with us. Welcome
1: back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with uh, Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to uh, continue our discussion here and talk about the Democratic presidents, can, presidential candidates, um, you know, what their tax plans are.
2: That's right. Not not only is it football season, but, uh, you know, we're, we're also in the uh, campaigning season as yeah, well.
1: Yes, we are. And it's not a not a real pleasant subject, you know, but at the same time, this is really, really important. I mean, this is stuff we we got to think about, you know, before, you know, you wind up for who you vote for, for for candidates and who you vote for ultimately for president.
2: And uh, these really, these plans really do affect the economy in a big way. That's right. And, and not only do they affect the now, but they also affect the future, you know, and, and our kids' future and grandkids' futures. Uh, so it is, it is very important that we Uh, educate ourselves and take into consideration what they're saying and uh, the direction that they're pointing in. Exactly. So let's go ahead and get into this. You know, the the Democrats uh, views on what they said that they would do with taxes. Uh, You know, like we said, next presidential election is still just over a year away, you know, but they are already in full swing. Oh, yeah, they're campaigning hard, making their rounds. They are they are pulling full time schedules here.
1: Now they're coming out with plans, no doubt. And, um, you know, first plan up here we're going to talk about is Hillary Clinton's tax plan. And, you know, in a recent speech she made at New York, New York University, she proposed higher capital gains taxes, um, which, okay, I can understand that, particularly for the short – you know, there's a lot of people that pay zero capital gains, long-term capital gains tax. Right. Now, if you're in a 15% tax bracket – which is a nice benefit. And there's some great opportunities there for folks that are retired and in lower tax bracket already. Um, but, you know, raising it with the high end, I don't think makes a lot of sense, but, you know, here's what she says. She says that, you know, the, the proposal that she's intended, she has here is intended to combat short term investing, which she argues diverts capital away from more productive alternatives. So her plan calls for a sliding scale of rates, with the shorter-term investments taxed at higher rates than there are now, but, you know, they're already taxed at ordinary income rates. That's right. So, I don't – yeah, I mean, it's just kind of interesting.
2: So, yeah, under the current uh, rate system, short-term capital gains uh, from assets held for one year or less are taxed at ordinary income rates, you know, which that can be as high as 39.6%, Steve. Yeah, it goes way up. Um, You know, we
1: see that all the time in this business – and, you know, so higher-income earners are already used to paying uh, the 39.6%. Also, there's a 3.8% Medicare surtax for a combined rate of 43.4%. Wow. Ouch. I mean, how much higher do you want to go? 43.4%. That's the current maximum rate of long-term gains for assets held more than a year. Uh, well, for less than a year for ordinary income tax. If it's more, if it's less, if you're held for more than a year, though, currently the top rate is twenty three point eight percent. Right, right. But uh, so there's a huge difference there. Under Clinton's plan, the top rate on short-term gains would remain at forty three point four percent. For assets held more than a year, the rate would drop on a sliding scale before reaching the current long-term rate uh so it's they're going to raise rates on assets held more than a year less than six years
2: yeah so you 've got to hold them at least six years to to get the long term raise that 's right so you know the biggest impact will be on assets uh, held for more than one year but not more than two years that 's where they would fill it the most you know tax rates on gains from those assets would nearly double you know so those those people that are used to being able to sell something you know after holding it holding it a year and getting a much lower tax rate, they would really get hit pretty hard there. You know, So economists on the left have long criticized that relatively low tax rates on long-term capital gains uh, as providing a subsidy to the wealthiest Americans. A report by the Cong- Congressional Budget Office uh, found that 68% of the tax savings benefits from lower rates on long-term capital gains uh, and dividends goes to the top one percent earners i guess my question here then again is why don't we simplify the code
1: yeah that that's a popular um argument you know i love the the uh uh, the the free tax what do you call it fair tax (laughs) fair tax yep exactly i love that plan of a flat tax um you know a a consumption-based tax right all right so you know but yeah according to her website Um, Clinton would also cut taxes for families to increase their take-home pay as they face rising costs of of, uh, child care, health care, and sending their kids to college. Um, So she supports enacting the so-called Buffett Rule, which would ensure that millionaires don't pay lower effective rates than their secretaries. You know, that's that popular phrase that Democrats have thrown out there. And close loopholes and breaks that benefit the wealthiest taxpayers that's kind of one of those catch-all phrases that everybody kind of agrees with. You know, I mean, it's hard not to agree with that. But um she says that would also provide tax relief for small businesses and would create the new 15% tax credit for companies that share profits with workers on the top of wages and pay increases. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, that, that could be could be good,
2: but, you know, the devil's in the details. Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and then last... Uh Wednesday's debate or, you know, a week or so ago, um, Clinton didn't say much about taxes except that the rich will have to uh, pretty much pony up and and pay a a lot more of uh, the government provided goodies, you know, like free college and different things like that. So, you know, um, I, I think you're right. A lot of it does lie within the details. And right now we're just talking about things with very broad strokes, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the details are everything. And we see folks in our business that that do have money and are in a high tax rates, And, you know, 43.4% is a really high tax rate. That's, and,
2: a, that's having a big partner in your pocket.
1: And that's not even including state income taxes. So you add another 7%, you know, South Carolina, you know, state income tax. So you're over 50%, and that doesn't include payroll taxes. So then there's 7.65% for Social Security and Medicare you know, even if you're out the top of that, you're still paying the 2.9 percent all the way up the rate between you and your employer. You know, there's already a lot of tax. So for a small business person that's making you know good money, um, you know, they're paying well over 50 percent to to the government. And I, I think you know it, it's it's a it's a killer. I think for the uh, for, for the economy, if you raise that even more, because you're going to people just start dropping out, you know that that either go underground with their business or drop out altogether. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it it's a little bit, uh, I guess, idealistic to think that you can just raise taxes on the top one percent without without there being some repercussions at some point and and really really filling in there exactly. So anyway, um, yeah, is there more to say there? Bernie Sanders' tax plan.
2: Um, you know, under the, the current federal income tax regime is is a little bit different, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Under the current federal income tax regime, uh, the top marginal rate of, on ordinary income from uh, working is 396 but the top rate on corporate dividends and long-term capital gains is only 23.8%. You know, Sanders proposes taxing capital gains and dividends at the same rate as ordinary income, so, you know, not not giving you the break there. He's wanting to, to step it up to to the ordinary income.
1: Yeah, it sure is. That would be a huge difference. That's back up to the 43.4% rate. Um,
2: yeah, and currently
1: Sanders hasn't proposed anything specific about changing individual tax rates on ordinary income for workers. He just talked about the long-term capital gains rate and dividends. But Sanders also proposes restructuring the 12.4% Social Security on wages or self-employment. Uh, income in excess of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So essentially, he's talking about raising the wage base for Social Security and Medicare right. under the current system. Um, so it would. It, it, what happens is right now it cuts out at, for Social Security over one hundred eighteen thousand dollars, eighteen hundred and eighteen thousand five hundred You don't pay any more Social Security tax. Right. Um, he's talking about kind of leaving that donut hole, but then bringing it back in over two fifty. So that you pay Social Security tax all the way up. Of course, you've already funded your Social Security. By then, you put in your fair share. So basically, it's just turning it into a tax and not contributing to Social
2: Security. So why the donut hole, you think? I
1: don't know. That's kind of weird. That is kind of weird. It's I kind just, of weird. I don't, I don't, you know? I don't quite just get that. It makes it more complicated. But yeah, I mean, he would, he would lower the threshold for the federal estate taxes to $5.3 million versus the current $5.5 million, $4 million. He'd also increase his state tax. Um, to 50% for states over $10 million, and to 55% for states over $50 million, and 65% for states over a billion. So, you know, I mean, the current rate is 40% for state tax. So, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the statistics, that doesn't really raise very much revenue. You know, all that really does is just, you know, make the really wealthy want to go somewhere else. Well, that Well And there's also another flip side of this, too, is what does the spending plan look like? That's the problem. I mean, if I thought we were going to use it to pay down debt, I mean, who couldn't disagree? But unfortunately, it's they're going to talk about spending it. So we'll talk more about that when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at or you can give us a call during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. seven three nine zero seven two five. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marber, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. Along with us, and we are continuing our discussion here before the break about what a Democratic president's tax plan might mean for you and me. You That's know? right.
2: Um, you know, just uh, here recently, they had the Democratic. Uh, debate And Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, they kind of shared their ideas about where they stood as far as taxes and, were and concerned. Just,
1: and we covered the Republican plan last week, we right? Didn't. So we, we're
2: giving equal time here. That's right. We covered the GOP plan last week. So we're going to try to show both sides of the, the story here and uh, share everybody's views and kind of where they stand. You know, Hillary's big thing from what she talked about uh, was just restructuring the way that capital gains taxes would be captured. You know, um, I think Stevie made a great point as well that it's really going to get into the details, though, when when they start uh, getting into the details of their plans and then also how that affects our spending as a country. Right. That's going to be very, very important. And then we've got Bernie Sanders. Yeah, he's a different animal. <laughs> <laughs> he is certainly a different animal, that's for sure. And a you know, democratic socialist, I think, is what he called it, isn't it? Or, or stri- if you can define it that way, I think that's what he said. That's what he
1: said. I mean, I think it's like one one eyelash from being a communist. <laughs> Not that I'm negative on him, really, I, Gordon. I'm I'm trying to be positive here.
2: No, that that's uh, <laughs> that's quite the description there. That that is. Uh, Uh, That's something else, you know. And then, you know, when he when he rolled out his ideas, his plans, uh, you know, his big focus was really on the federal estate tax. Uh, That that's where I think people are going to really feel it. And then, I I think he he kind of threw a blanket statement out there that basically, I'm going to raise taxes on everybody. Yeah, exactly. Bottom line,
1: you know, I really hope he gets the nomination because I think it will open up a needed debate, a needed conversation in the country. Uh, The difference between socialism and capitalism, because people don't understand what that really is. They don't they've lost sight of what capitalism is and what it does and what socialism is and what it does and what it means. You know, they see socialism is not a bad word anymore because it just means that you're going to give away more stuff. What it also means that you're going to take away private property, you know, means you're going to take over private property by the state. The state's going to own private property. A lot of times they're going to take over whole segments of the economy, and everybody's
2: going to work for the government. There's going to be a lot more control there. You know, uh, speaking in that same vein, you know, as far as corporate taxes, uh, Sanders, he says he would end current rules that allow U.S. corporations to defer paying federal income tax on offshore profits. He would also eliminate tax breaks for oil and gas companies. Uh, And coal companies as well. So, you know, finally, Sanders would impose a new financial transaction levy that would tax stocks trades at 0.5%. All right. Bond trades at 0.1% and derivatives at 0.005%.
1: You know, that is a really smart proposal on his part, because it sounds like to most people that you're just taxing Wall Street, but what what he what he fails to mention is that means it's taxing everybody because your four one k plan. Has all those transactions? In That's there. right. So all those transactions would be an extra half to one percent tax on your 401k plan. That's what it would
2: be. And who does that get passed along to? Everybody. I mean, everybody would pay that. That's every right.
1: Worker. Every average person that has a 401k plan will be paying that one percent tax per year.
2: And just to, you know, put it in perspective. Uh, we have some very intelligent listeners out there, and you can probably put the dots together. But you know, a ten thousand uh, dollar stock trade would be hit with an extra fifty dollar tax. Exactly. And yeah. that,
1: that happens all the time in your 401K plan, and you just don't realize it. I mean, mutual funds, that's what they do. They manage your money and, you know, bonds sell. So I think the bottom line on these plans is that the Democrats are in favor of raising taxes pretty much uh, different areas, but uh, kind of across the board, and they're, they're in favor of spending more on programs, to, more programs that, you know, supposedly help folks and give more money away and help the lower-income folks. Republicans are in favor of cutting taxes sometimes to their fault because they don't under, they don't really mention how they're gonna pay for it right but they're in favor of smaller government so that's those right. are kind of the summaries that we're gonna have to deal with more details though to come so stay tuned
2: that's right <laughs> it's an interesting topic um, got to find that balance exactly okay. All right, well, here we go. We're going to uh, roll right into the prescription of the week. Dr. Marbert, what is that prescription?
1: Yeah, the prescription of the week here is, you know, with interest rates poised to rise here in the near future, and we're not making predictions, but that is what the the Federal Reserve Board has talked about in the last several meetings here, um, and they have one coming right up next week, so, you know, who knows? I mean, they may they may do it as soon as next week. But with interest rates poised to rise... Um, you need to make sure your bonds are managing risk and you're focusing on low maturities, low low duration, high quality bonds. That's a way to protect your bond portion, your fixed income portion of your portfolio from rising rates. So that's the prescription of the week. Take a look at the bonds in your 401k plan. Okay, and that leads up to our final topic here, and that is... Um, Speaking of taxes, uh, Obamacare premiums are set to rise in 2016.
2: That's right. We're really about to start feeling the effects of, you know, this new plan and how it's affecting everybody across the board. Yeah,
1: there was a new study by the Kaiser Family Foundation that shows premiums are continuing to rise. And next year, um, under Obamacare, the average family... Well, you know, backing up, if you recall, when Obamacare went into effect, they... they suggested the average family would see a $2500 a year cut in their expenses for health care under Obamacare savings, right? Savings that has not come to fruition. As you know, um recent changes in the middle of the road Obamacare insurance plans in major cities in 12 states according to the Kaiser Family Foundation found that the premiums could spike as much as 22.8% this coming year.
2: Wow. You know, and rates are set to rise in 8 of the surveyed states and the District of Columbia, uh, while only four states studied, will likely see a decrease in their actual premiums. If you live in Detroit, Los Angeles, Seattle, or in Hartford, Connecticut, your rates may decrease. All right. Only Seattle has a double-digit decline of 10.1%. On the flip side of that, if you live in Portland, Oregon, or Albuquerque, New Mexico, your rates are about to jump by double digits.
1: Yeah. In fact, if you live in Portland, Oregon, you know, they say here that for the medium silver level plan, your rates would increase by twenty two point eight percent projected. Wow. So that's a massive. It's inc- quite an increase. The bottom line. <clears throat> it sure is. So, yeah, you know, seeing a, a health insurance bill that is nearly a quarter larger than it was this year would mean that families would have to cut back on other things, you know, and spending and, and other uh uh, expenses in their budget. So that would hurt the, the economy for sure. Um, you know, some insurance plans are also turning back on the available network of doctors and hospitals they cover. So if you live in a state where the costs are going up, you may be paying a higher premium and losing access to your doctor or hospital. So this is definitely not a good trend. Yeah, the Kaiser uh, study also notes that premium growth in the Affordable Care Act um and the marketplace has been of significant interest. Uh this is one of the most tangible, measurable indicators of whether the ACA is working to keep health insurance affordable.
2: Well, and you, you're also starting to see some doctors and practices get out of the business altogether. That's right. You know, you we're we're seeing doctors that are starting to say, you know what, I'm close enough to retirement, I'm moving on. Um for many Americans both within Obamacare and also in the private market there's not been a big decrease in their insurance premium costs and a story in the New York Times here recently uh, says it could get even worse they report that you know health insurance companies around the country are seeking rate increases anywhere from 20 to 40% you know saying their new customers under the ACA they've turned out to be a little more sickly than they expected.
1: Wow, know? that's a big shocker. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you remember, they, they eliminated pre-existing conditions, so, you know, and they guaranteed coverage for folks, so it's kind of natural that, yeah, the really sick people now
2: are, are jumping on plans at the same cost that healthy people are. That's going to raise costs. It's definitely created some issues there, you know, and reporter uh, Robert pair illustrates just how bad it could be in Oregon uh, if you have... One of the two largest plans in the state, um, the insurance commissioner just approved uh, 2016 rate increases for companies that cover more than 220,000 people. Uh, one insurance company is going to go up, up at least 25 percent, and the other one is looking at a 33 percent increase ouch yeah that that is painful, you know, I know
1: our church has been struggling with this issue of, of the insurance costs just skyrocketing. you know it currently costs over twenty thousand dollars per year for a family coverage for our staff in our church. Wow, you know, so you can you imagine a youth pastor or you know assistant pastor you're spending twenty thousand dollars just on health insurance for them and their so you know it's just gotten out of hand it is something 's definitely got to change. And, unfortunately, the average American is seeing this, and they continue to go up. Every year it's, you know, a 15%, 20% increase. So something's got to give. I mean, in my opinion, ACA definitely is not working to keep health care costs down. All right, on that happy note, <laughs> that's <laughs> going to bring us to a close of this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And uh, do check us on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at MoneyMD.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.
0: Have a great weekend.
3: Ladies and gentlemen.
0: and SIPC.